All right, students, today let's have the ultimate lecture on Dante's Paradiso. Let's talk about mostly Canto 33 with a brief review of what we saw in the beginning of the Empyrean yesterday. So recall that we entered the Empyrean, Beatrice became more beautiful. We talked about what the Empyrean is, as it is the reflection off the primum mobile of the entirety of the cosmos. We realize that it's not simply all the heavens, but what's at the center of the heavens for Dante, which is also the earth. What's also on earth? Well, the other two places, or the other two terraces of the afterlife, the other two phases of the afterlife, the Purgatorio, which is a mountain in the southern hemisphere of uh, Dante's earth, and also beneath that, underneath a winding passageway and a hole caused by Lucifer's fall, is the Inferno, or hell. And so the Empyrean is the entirety of the cosmos, and therefore called the mind of God, because the entirety of the cosmos, according to Dante and the Catholic faith at that time, would have been created by God. And in fact, that was something we considered way back at the beginning of the Inferno, when we saw that it was in fact primal love and the justice of God that even created the Inferno. That was a problem we talked about in the seminar. How could a place of punishment be caused by love? We actually have an answer for that now, ever since Adam told us that he was expelled from Eden, precisely because he had free will, and so his choice was respected, and so he was punished for his poor choice. So yesterday, Dante got up to the Empyrean, drank from a river of light with his mouth or eyes, eyes, eyes and then could see anew, could see in a new, more divine, less human way, could see all the parts coming together. Instead of seeing the river of light as a line, he then saw it as a what? A circle. He saw how all things came together. Very good, very good, very good. We then saw several of the important women. You can see this on your schematic here, who are in the celestial rows. Rachel, besides Beatrice, Sarah, Rebecca, Judith. These are all Old Testament figures. Perhaps you know something about them. We then saw, yeah, and here's the schematic itself. We then saw Augustine, ben Benedict, Francis, and uh, we will see John the Baptist in a moment. So let's get there, yes. We saw John the Evangelist, rather, Francis, Benedict, and Augustine. You can see them in their opposite positions on your schematic there. There's an image of the celestial rose. All right, let's get to these next people. We then saw the archangel Gabriel around Mary. We talked a little bit about the relationship between Mary and Eve. Eve caused the problem. Mary solved the problem in the same way that Adam caused the problem, uh, which is sometimes called original sin that Jesus then solved. We talked about that problem being the fact that humans attain the ability to see the future through their rational intellects, which causes them massive suffering. So what was the problem? They needed to figure out what the meaning of their lives were if they were vulnerable and doomed to die. If you know you're going to die, there has to be some reason for you to what? To live, right. And that seems to be the problem of humanity, and that is the problem that Dante is facing here. And his reason for living seems to be to pass on his, or to discover information that has not yet been discovered, and to pass it on to man, to, to achieve a new level of interpretation about the meaning of life for man, and to pass that on to future generations, which is why we read this book so long after he wrote it. All right, good. So, just the great patriarchs who are next to Mary. We see Adam to the left of her, we see Peter to the right of her. This reminds me a little bit of the crucifixion scene of uh, Jesus, as you probably know, he was crucified in the middle of two other sinners. One was a thief, one was not. One supposedly saw the light and was redeemed, the other not. Sort of like having a devil and an angel on your shoulder. Two ways that you can go about things. Right. 
We see John, author of Revelation, Moses, layer down of laws, Anna, mother of Mary, who sits opposite to Peter, Lucy sitting opposite to Adam, producers of new creations. All right, all right, all right. Canto 33, we see a very famous prayer at the beginning, the prayer to the Virgin Mary. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that too much because we need to get up and look at the Trinity. Bernard then prays harder for Dante to achieve his goal even than his own. Hopefully the clouds of mortality do not keep us from understanding this last, this ultimate truth. And so Dante himself now looks up at the Godhead, the Trinity, the divine, all different terms for the same thing. His sight further clarifies lines 52 to 54 in Canto 33. Language will fail to represent this pure being as perceived by contemplation, but Dante will try. Um, like trying to express the feeling of a dream. All right, all right, all right, all right. Dante continues to describe, and he really does this for quite a bit in Canto 33, the impossibility of describing the divine. This creates a sense of tension and waiting. We're like, get to the point. We want to hear what it is you see. And he just keeps saying, oh, well, it's going to be so hard for me to describe this. Uh, my, my words uh, describing my memory will be like snow losing its shape in the sun. That's what his memory is. Supposedly. Or the words of a civil lost to air. Okay, good. Alright, bang. Here's the Trinity. Here are the facts we need to know. The Trinity, as he perceives it, are three volumes, circles, bound by love. The love here would be the Holy Spirit. It would be the third circle. Here's an image right here. It looks like a triple Venn diagram. That means that all souls in the universe, and we talked about this to some extent, symbolically understood, are connected by a spirit of charity. Well, what is the spirit of charity? Well, you love those creatures that are like yourself. What creatures are more like you than other humans? No creatures, because what can you do that other creatures cannot? Well, you can suffer, because you can see the future, which means you can not only feel physical pain, but feel emotional pain based on the fact that you will feel pain in the future. Have you, any of you ever done that? Imagined like a relative that you really love disappearing or imagined yourself losing an arm? or something like that, and then actually emotionally felt some pain just running out that simulation, well, that's an important thing to be able to do. And that's something that each of you can do. And that's something that binds you all together in a way that no other animal has ever been bound together. Because since you suffer, you know that every other human suffers, which creates a feeling of what between all of you? Love. And that is an, that is an emotion that can only be expressed can only be felt by intellectual beings, which means what is the only creature in the universe that knows love and can be bound by love? Humans. Which is why, interestingly enough, the Trinity here are circles bound together. And what is it that you give to your future husband or wife? A ring, which is a circle to symbolize your what for them? Your love. It, precisely so. Very good. Very, 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 very good. So Dante continues to observe and be shaped by what he sees to become better able to articulate it. You keep looking at something to understand it more. Have you ever just sat and stared at something before, like a statue or a page? And you're just like, what does that mean? Huh. It was my sight, 112 to 114, which was growing stronger as I was looking. So what looked like one worked on me as I myself changed. This is a metaphor of information transmission. As you are receiving that which is in front of you, it is informing you. It is imprinting itself on you. It is changing you. And often for the better, because it is uh, metaphorically, again, 
as you are the diamond, it is the light that is passing through you. Though uh, the metaphor is a little deeper than that because it leaves uh, a somewhat permanent change. Alright, here's an image. Something to note about this image. It's not perfect, but each of the circles has a distinct color. One of the circles, the second circle, has an inscribed figure of man on it. That would be the so-called sun. Just take a seat right there. That is the ultimate mystery for Dante. And that will be the ultimate mystery that he comes to understand at the very end of this and just says he has a revelation about it and then the book will end. Which is, how is it that the circle, which is God, can, be, can occupy the same place as an inscription of man? How can God and man be one and different at the same time, a unity and a plurality? Alright, here we go. Good. <clears throat> the three circles are equal in circumference. That means they're all the same size. Each are different colors if you look at 115 to 117. The first is called the Father. The second is called the Son, 118, 119. And they are to each other as a rainbow to a rainbow. Which is very interesting because rainbows, <laughs> twin rainbows, of course, would be exactly physically constituted in the same way, though they would occupy slightly different spaces. And I asked you that question yesterday. Uh, what is more real? The rainbow going into the prism or the one coming out? Some people said before, some people said after. I said that's a trick question because they're both light, so they're both the what? They're both the same. Very good. Bless you. Alright, and the third circle supposedly is like flame breathed out from the other two. So it, you should imagine two circles like Venn diagram with a third circle underneath there. One, two, three. So not just all side to side. Um, this, this image is... I think good. I think good. Though I would slightly invert it. I would make that the Holy Spirit there. Good. Alright. Thus, if the first circle is reflected in the second, and then the second is an image of man, then the will or... Ah, yes. And then here's, here's our potential conclusion. Then the will or being of God is reflected in the choices of man. Hmm. And here's, some, here's a quote. And the first seemed to be reflected by the second as a rainbow by a rainbow, and the third seemed like a flame, breathed equally from both. 33, 118 to 120. O eternal light, 124 to 126, existing in yourself alone, very Aristotelian, alone knowing yourself, even more Aristotelian, and who known to yourself and knowing, love and smile upon yourself. Within itself, and in its own color, this is a description of the second circle, seemed to be painted with our effigy. That means our image. And so absorbed my attention altogether. So that's the second circle I was talking about that has the image of man inside of it, which Dante's trying to bend his mind around. It's like, how can uh, man and God in some way be connected together? How can they in some way be equal? They do not seem to be the same thing, but there must be something there that I do not yet what. See, grasp, understand, write. And the basic theory that we're going to end with here oops, is that God knows himself through humans understanding their own nature and living accordingly. Thus, man would reflect God by living out his nature consciously, making his own free choices. 
And God knows man by man's conscious relating to his own nature. And thus, God knows his own nature through the conscious choices of man. By man embodying the will of the divine, the so-called absolute will, in the world. The will of heaven is done. Thus, the nature of man and God, according to Dante, are one. Because one does the will of another, but does he have to or does he get to choose to? What sorts of creatures have to do the will of the divine in Dante's cosmology? Angels, right. But what is man allowed to be? Free, which means he can be good, but also bad, evil. It's up to you. It's up to you. But regardless of which you choose, all is allowed for within the cosmos of Dante. You just get to choose who it is you wish to be and which role you wish to play. And the poem ends with Dante saying, as he understands this great truth, his desire, my desire and my will were being turned like a wheel all at one speed. He, like Plato's charioteer with the two horses from the Phaedrus, the ignoble horse that always pulls off in the wrong direction, the noble horse that goes straight, well, that ignoble horse has been pulled into line. And now his desire and his will have become what? One. One. And as his desire and his will have become one, he has become more angelic. And now he wishes to do good or evil. Good. Right. Because he understands the value of good. Instead of simply being pulled forth unconsciously by his desires towards the bad, he understands that there's a reason to do good. That he is acting out the divine will by doing good. And in so understanding this, well, he will actually do it. Which is a very democratic way of looking at things. My desire and my will were being turned like a wheel all at one speed by the love which moves the sun and the other stars. And now, like a star, Dante may move by divine art, the art of freely choosing, in order to inscribe himself or his art eternally amongst the heavens. And I should have read this quote after I said that, but again, the last word, of this canticle, of this poem, is the same word that ended the first canticle, or the first canticle, Canto 34 of the Inferno, Canto 33 of the Purgatorio, stars. And that's the Paradiso, y'all. <clears throat>